You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. you to turn, if you would, to the book of Mark, chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, and this being uh, Youth Sunday, and also knowing that Brother Larry was going to be here and sharing the ministry of the Gideons, uh, I decided that we're going to go off our regularly scheduled exposition of Romans 9, uh, and uh, look at something a little bit different the lord put on my heart the importance of the bible is not what's on the outside and you can buy a bad intentioned bible as long as it preaches the word of god that's great paul said in in philippians he said i don't care whether you're preaching the gospel out of contention or out of love as long as you're preaching the gospel because my friend the power in the in the gospel is not in the presentation it is in the truth of it the truth of it and the power of the God's word and why I love the Gideon ministry is it's simple, the word of God. And some people tell you, but you gotta, you got to really fancy it up or you've got to do it with some cool, hip and with it music. Not true. The Bible says that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. Preaching what? The gospel. Why is that? Because the simple proclamation of the gospel is enough to get a man or a woman saved. Uh, I'm not against styles of music. That's not the point. I don't think all styles of music are wrong or bad. Uh, it's not that that's not the point but if you're doing a certain style because you think it's going to make the gospel more presentable you are wrong and uh, and uh, or if you have a certain light system or if you have the music listen so many churches so many churches have spent so much money to make their their auditoriums and their services like a Branson show uh, I heard a guy the other day, he, he worked, he did what uh, Riley is doing back there. And, uh, and he did something, made a little mistake, and it really messed up the middle of the service because so many technical stuff was going on. And they almost fired him for that. I'm sure he was paid to do it and all, but just over that. I want to tell you, that's uh, I love technology. I love this up here, but I don't mind like we did last Sunday. Turn it off. You know, we don't need it. We don't need, listen, all you need is Brother Ron Pre. We can turn off the lights. Matter of fact, that might make the message more applicable if y'all couldn't see my face. <laughs> it, might, it might help if you couldn't see, but, but those things are not, what you need to make sure is the man of God that's standing behind the pulpit is preaching the truth. Because it is the gospel that wins the soul, not your personality, not your presentation. Now, 
it's like I said, a lot of people, when they when you go, a church will go to, when they go to pick a pastor, they want to know if he has a good personality. Is he a natural-born leader? Is he this or that? Do you know that the qualifications for a pastor, not one of them has to do with anything but spiritual matters. The only ability a pastor needs to have is be able to teach the Word. But we're all on the flesh. Well, I want to tell you, all you need to be an effective Christian, effective soul winner is the truth of God's word. And we're going to read verse 1 of chapter 2. It's not expositional this morning, just as a jumping off point. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. I love that statement. It was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. The word of God. Jesus came and he preached the word of God. Now this was God incarnate. God incarnate. And Jesus said the, 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 the power in, in his ministry was not his miracles. It wasn't even necessarily his manner. It was his message, his message. And what does he do when he comes down to it? He preaches the word. What is the word? It is the revealed word of God. Every word in this book is the words of God Almighty. We believe that. We believe that it is inspired. It is inerrant. It is sufficient for life and godliness and witnessing and church growth and everything else this word is sufficient and the importance of the bible is that, listen if you forsake the bible you don't have a church if you forsake the bible you don't have salvation if you forsake the bible you don't have truth I uh, spoke in uh, 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 Grace Ann's stepfather's funeral yesterday, and I used the verse that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way in the fact that he was the one crucified and risen again in our place. He took our sin, and he imputes to us his righteousness. But it says he is the truth, the truth that you must believe in. My friend, you've got to believe this book to be saved. This report of Christ, this report of everything. If you say, well, Brother Ron, I don't, listen, I, I was looking at a deal about the presidents of the United States. Many of them were deists. They weren't Christians. They were deists. That means that they believed there was a God. Even Thomas Jefferson, as good of a man as he was, he went through the Bible and cut out places he did not think was true. Cut out all the miracles of God and there you can get the, the Thomas Jefferson Bible. He didn't believe those things. Well, my friend, Thomas Jefferson, unless he repented before he died, is in hell today. He's in hell today. Because if you don't believe that Jesus was divine, that's another thing he denied. He didn't believe Jesus was divine. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, a very God, my friend, you are not going to heaven. And my friend, if the miracles aren't right, maybe the message of the cross isn't right. If creation story isn't true, maybe a heaven isn't true. If hell isn't true, maybe paradise isn't true. We can't believe any of it if a part of it is not true. Now, that's the importance of the Bible. Now, I'm going to give you three things the Bible does. This is the big general picture, and uh, I'm going to do it quick. 
I promise. <laughs> Number one, the Bible shows a sinner how to become a saint. Say amen, glory to God. The Bible shows a sinner how to become a saint. I want you to go and you can read later Psalm 119, 41 and other verses, but let me tell you what the Bible does generally from Genesis to Revelation. It shows the standard of God's law. Listen to me today. If you're here without Christ, you've never been born again, listen to me. Everybody listen. You are a sinner. You have broken God's law. Sin means falling short of the mark. You have not the ability to keep the law. You have sinned against God. And in so doing, you have uh, you are become an enemy of God. And you're lost. Sin cannot enter his presence. Sin will not be in heaven. And God will in no wise let the wicked go unpunished, the Bible says. And the Bible shows us what the standard is. See, because if, if, like he said, and many people say, well, I hope I am. A lot of people say, yeah, I'm going to heaven. You say, how do you know that? Well, I'm a good person. Really, let's do a test. How many have ever lied? How many have ever dishonored your parents? How many have ever wanted something that wasn't yours and thought I deserve that more than that person does? How many have ever stolen anything? You've taken God's name in vain. Use the name of God as a cuss word. And this is what the Bible says in the Ten Commandments. We never list this. Right after it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, it says, I will not hold him guiltless who takes my name in vain. You've broken God's law. So it shows us the standard. And by the way, I was going through the Ten Commandments. My, my friend, the standard is not Brother Ron. I'm better than you, Brother Ron. And if Christy were in here today, she'd say, That's probably right. But you got a big, big problem. I'm not the standard. This is the standard. This is the book that you'll be judged by. I'm going to get to that later. I'm not the standard. Christ is the standard. The Ten Commandments and the law and the laws of righteousness are not a bunch of rules that God wrote. My friend, they are God himself. They are the, they are the character of God. God says, don't lie because I wouldn't lie. This is God, and he's the standard, not me, not Brother Larry, not Brother Cole, not Brother Tim, not Miss Mandy. We're not the standard. you got to be as righteous as Jesus to get to heaven, and the Bible says you are not. Number two, the sternness of God's judgment. The Bible says in Romans 1.18 that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The Bible says he'll appoint a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness. My friend, God hates sin. God is love. God is love. Yes, he is love. He is love. My friend, a judge can love somebody and condemn them at the same time. Because let me tell you, before God is love, God is just. He is righteous. And he will in no wise, again, let the wicked go unpunished. And one day, he is going to judge the world. We're going to get into that in a minute. So the Bible shows us the standard of God's law. It shows us the sternness of God's judgment. But then it shows us the Savior of God's love. In uh, Romans 1, let me turn over there. Turn to 
It says in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be apostle, separating the gospel of God, the gospel, the good news, that's what gospel means, separating the good news of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made, uh, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And you know what that is? That's basically in an introduction, he just preached the gospel. He said, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the seed of David came and he, his sacrifice, through his sacrifice, he died in our place and he rose again and we have placed faith in him. That's salvation. Jesus Christ died in your place. He took your sin upon himself and he died as a sacrifice for you. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life because he's God, God incarnate. And he rose again on the third day and he ascended into heaven on a cloud and he's sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for those who have trusted in him. The Bible shows a sinner how to become a saint. Hallelujah. Number two, the Bible shows a saint how to live as a saint. Now, once you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, come to him for the forgiveness of sin. The Bible becomes then an instruction manual on how to live. And, 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 and a lot of the epistles and things are how to show us how to do church, how to live as a Christian, how to be a soul winner, how to forsake sin, how to pray, how to do this. And so the Bible has a lot of that. I'm going to go through this very quickly this morning because I'm actually shooting at folks that need to know Jesus, all right? It shows a saint how to live as a saint. Let me tell you what it does. It shows us how to act. You don't know what to do. What should I do, Brother Ron? Read your Bible. That's a good start, amen? And the Bible will show you. The Bible will show you. The Bible is a living book. Let me tell you, do you think it was a mistake that that man took that little New Testament and started using the paper to roll his cigarettes? He said, oh, how awful, how awful. Well, he was a sinner. He's just doing what sinners are doing. But God had a divine appointment for that man to smoke them cigarettes. <laughs> now, he didn't make him do it. But he said, I'm going to use that to bring him to Jesus. And all of a sudden, while tearing the pages, he started reading the pages, and he got to say, that's awesome. That's awesome. It shows you how to, how, to, how to act. Well, that's the power in that book. Well, if it's powerful to get the lost, the most powerful miracle that's ever been done is to take your rotten, sinful soul and turn it into perfection through Jesus Christ. That's what God did. That's a miracle. You are a walking miracle. Well, if it can change a sinner to a saint, it can make us as Christians live like it. It's powerful. Why does the word of God not have power in your life? How much do you read it? And then how much do you study it? You know, we have our daily breads, by the way, we got the new ones in. I don't mind using those. Those are good for, for a little, uh, uh, you know, uh, pick-me-up, I guess, or whatever. But my friend, you need to be studying the word of God. You need to be digging it, and the Word of God will change you if you'll read it and study it. Read it over and over and over again. The Word of God will show you how to act. The Word of God will show you what to think. 
There's the greatest thing. The Bible says that the word of God transforms your mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. That's the problem with us. We got stinking thinking. And we need to have scripture thinking. We need to fill our mind with the word of God. It will show us how to think. Romans 1, 19, verse 15. Look that up later. It'll show us where to walk. You say, Brother Ron, I don't know what to do. What does God want? What's the will of God? Well, I tell you what y'all do is pray, read the word of God, be filled with the spirit, be filled with the scripture, be filled with the surrender, and do what you want to do. You say, do what I want to do? Yeah, because when you're full of the Spirit, with full of Scripture and full of sacrifice for Christ, you're going to do what, you'll have the mind of Christ, you'll do what he wants you to do. Number three, the Bible, number one, shows a sinner how to become a saint. The Bible shows a saint how to live as a saint. And the Bible shows a sinner how he will die as a sinner. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 20. This is... The revelation of God about the last judgment of the lost. I want to tell you this. There are no saved people at this judgment. Not even to make them feel guilty for not witnessing. I'm sorry, but Jesus paid for that sin on the cross. This is just you and God if you reject Christ in this life. This is the judgment of the lost. And you may think with a cursory reading, it's very kind of difficult to understand. It's not difficult to understand. It's very straightforward. Let me read it. I'll make a few comments and we'll have our closing hymn. Verse 11 of Revelation 20. If you're going to keep not believing in Christ, not trusting in Jesus, not believing the gospel, here is where you're going to wind up eventually, okay? Verse 11. Now I saw a great white throne. And him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heavens fled away. That's Jesus. The Bible says that God the Father has given Christ all judgment, given him the right to judge. And since he's God, you can say this is God too, but it's Christ as the judge. This is Jesus in his real way. He is, he is light. He's on the throne. And, uh, and from his face, earth and heavens fled away. He's a fearful judge on this day. And there was found no place for them. You can't hide from God. And I saw the dead. This is not talking about the physically dead. This is talking about the spiritually dead. Those who died physically without ever having been born again, they also die spiritually. The Bible calls it here in a minute the second death. Now, actually, you were born dead. You've always been dead spiritually without Christ. But this is your eternal soul that is dead. It means separated from God. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books, plural, were open. What books are those? The ones you're holding in your hand. There's only one standard of righteousness, the books. Genesis through Revelation. And the books were opened, which is, uh, uh, the books were opened. And another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written, which were written in the what? Books, plural. So you're judged according to the Bible, because I believe that's what the volumes it's talking about. It's the only standard it's ever been for righteousness. 
according to their works. Well, what's that one book? He'll tell you here in a minute. Verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. In other words, all of those who died without Christ are gathered to this great white throne judgment. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now, I want to stop here and explain something to you. This judgment is not to see whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. That was decided the day you died physically. This is not talking about people being good to go to heaven or bad. Listen, my friend, works means nothing about your destiny. Works means nothing as far as your destiny, whether you wind up in this judgment or not. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, the Bible says, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says. Then what's he judging according to works? To see how hot hell is going to be for them. To see what punishment they deserve. Because let me tell you, God is a just God. You're going to get what you deserve. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. Death and hell were delivered the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell, now listen, were cast into the lake of fire. Hell is a place where all the lost are reserved for judgment today. But one day, hell itself is going to be cast into this bottomless pit, the Bible calls it. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, that's what the Bible calls it. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book, singular of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Now, you say, Brother Ron, what's the book of life? And there's many different things, but here's the thing. Those who know Jesus are written in the book of life. That's what the Bible just clearly says. When exactly and where that he wrote your name in that book of life, uh, there's uh, some debate about that. It doesn't matter. I just want my name on the roll. I want my name on that book. And the Bible says that, you, that those who know Christ, their names are written in the book of life. But if your name is not written in the book of life, you're not going to heaven. You're going into the lake of fire. So if you are hearing this and if you think, well, may, this might be true, or maybe you do believe my message today, the Holy Spirit's bringing you along. Your obvious question is, though, how do I get in the book? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that's a simple, terse statement. You need to know what the verses beforehand and behind it is. The thing is, is you find out whether or not you know Jesus, whether you've called on the name of the Lord, and look at yourself as you are a sinner without hope in yourself. Come to the place. I don't know why people think that they can do good enough to earn streets of gold and gates of pearl, let alone a relationship with a holy God. You need to cry out like the man in Pilgrim's Progress. What shall I do? What shall I do? Oh, God, I'm lost. I know that I'm on the road to hell. What shall I do? And the Bible says all through it, believe on the Lord, come to me, believe on me, 
trust in me, cling to me, turn from the sin and the world and Satan, turn from it, confess it's wrong and hate it and turn to me in faith and when you do, you shall be saved. That's a human side of salvation. That's what happens when you place your faith in Christ. He gives you new life. Say, what's the prayer of salvation? There's no necessary prayer of salvation. It's just got to come from the heart of realizing, God, I'm desperate. It's like the little boy I told you about came to us, and and he was under conviction, I need to be saved. And so Brother Rocky said, pray. And he said, oh, God, I'm in a heck of a mess. More theology in that sentence. Most preachers are preaching in their pulpit today, brother. Oh, God, I'm in a heck of a mess. Yes, we're all in a heck of a mess. We're all in a hell of a mess, literally. On a road to hell, if we do not get our sins forgiven, but bless God freely through his grace, he will forgive your sin if you come to him by faith today. Amen? That's what the Bible does. That's why the ministry that this man's a part of is wonderful because they distribute the book that gives the good news. I didn't give you an opinion today. I didn't tell you what I necessarily thought, although I do think it, I believe it. I gave you the word of God. And we, need, we do need to get it in their hands. And the Bible says that we are, ought to witness it to one another. Talk to them about it. Try to explain it to them if they need it. But my friend, sufficient for salvation is this old blessed book. It's sufficient for you to know how to be saved. It's sufficient for you to know how to live as a Christian. It ought to be your daily bread. And I, don't, I mean you ought to feast on this word. But my friend, it also warns us and tells us that our God is a consuming fire. And he's fear of God to be feared because he will do exactly what he says. Come to Jesus today. 